Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker, this is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. You're listening to the Talk Wrestling Podcast on your Fight Night feed from Talk Sport here for you every week, bringing you the very best from the world of the Graps, the sports entertainment from professional wrestling. And as I record this on Monday, we are less than 24 hours removed from a barnstorming money in the bank, a huge John Cena return to great money in the bank winners. Big E finally, finally getting that push we've been begging for for so long. So we'll give you a big Money in the Bank review coming up with myself, Will Gavin, and TalkSports Wrestling's are Alex McCarthy, plus the man who headlined Impact Slammiversary this past weekend, Sammy Callahan, talks with Alex, all coming up on Talk Wrestling from TalkSports. Oh, there is a, a young man. I say a young man, a man in his 20s, 11 or 12 years ago, who did not pop for John Cena in the way that I popped for John Cena at Money in the Bank last night. There was some expectation it was going to happen. There were rumours, there was hearsay. But the way the music hit off the back of that epic main event and the way he handled it, the pop of the crowd, the first night back in front of a pay-per-view, it was a wonderful thing to hear. You're listening to Talk Wrestling. I'm Will Gavin. Alongside me, Talk Sports Wrestling's are Alex McCarthy. Uh, Interview-wise, Sammy Callahan coming up a little later in the show. But we're going to kick things off by reviewing Money in the Bank. And I know it's weird to start at the end, but that's the biggest pop I've heard in WWE probably since Edge came back at the Rumble. Oh, um... It's up there as an all-time pop, Will. Ever, I would say. You know, it's in that discussion of Austin helping Foley win the title and the Hardy Boys return. I would argue maybe even a greater pop than Brock Lesnar in 2012, his return. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. You know, amazing to see that Cena, a guy so divisive for the majority of his career, there was none of this, let's go, Cena, Cena sucks, or... You know, none of this 50-50 split. Everybody was happy to see good old John. Uh, and it was a delight. And I thought it was a moment perfectly well done. Even the little standoff after, you know, the whole you can't see me stuff. I thought it was awesome. It's great to see him back. Him and Reigns have only done the dance once, Will. No Mercy 2017 was all about 
trying to make Roman Reigns someone, right? It was all about passing the proverbial torch. But this time, it's two legitimate monstrous stars facing off against each other. The Tribal Chief, the biggest thing in wrestling right now, John Cena, bona fide legend, people talking about him being the actual GOAT on Twitter today, whether you agree with that or not, he's in that discussion. Last time, Cena was cooking Roman on the mic, Will. He cooked the man alive. This time, I sense it will be very different. So, man, like, it's just so well done. Very exciting where we're going. C- couldn't be more in favour. I think here's the thing. and There's a lot to be said about this return and why it works now and the way it works. And obviously holding Cena back until fans are back and is a break in his schedule after Fast and the Furious 9. It, it all comes together in the perfect moment. And honestly, the only thing that would have got a bigger pop last night was had we had the teased Becky return, which she, reti- which she teased on her own social media, which was the moment I knew it wasn't going to happen. The moment that she posted saying, oh, it's a nice day in Fort Worth, Texas. I like, yep. She's just there with Seth. She's not doing it. There's no way that she's going to do that ahead of a surprise appearance. But for me, it was the um, it, it, the culmination of, I think, the last nine years of John Cena's career and the perfect timing for him to return here. Because even though he was very much somebody who rallied against the rock and rallied against the idea of part-time stars and it's still something that I rally against in general them being given those top spots there can be absolutely no doubt that whether you found John Cena divisive whether you liked him during the early days of the PG era whether you thought he was overbooked or given too many opportunities or made too strong by the company whether you found the matches themselves not good enough earlier on all of that kind of began to pale in significance when you realized a the work rate that he was putting in but also i think pretty much from cm punk onwards that was the key moment for me but you work through the next five years of feud after feuds after that until he kind of took the step back from being in the company week in week out whether it was lesnar whether it was AJ Styles, it, they, these were high quality, well produced, well thought out, well written feuds where he wasn't made to look strong constantly, where the match quality was consistently four and a half stars, four stars, left, right and centre. And actually, I think he proved all of those doubters, of which I consider myself to have been one of them, wrong to the point where even... We got to the point where the Cena sucks stuff became a little bit like the you suck with Kurt Angle. It became like a, a badge of honor rather than actually a, a, a crowd rallying against a man. And then he gets this return. He gets this pop. It's absolutely huge. And I think last night cemented his place for me as much as I've resisted it previously on that wrestling Mount Rushmore. I, I've always had... Stone Cold, The Rock, Flair, and probably Taker ahead of him on my personal one. I know there's other people, so many other people in that conversation. But man, it's very difficult not to have him in that top four, top five, all-time conversation now from the men's side of things. And the crowd reaction on the first night back, it was just, it woke me up. That's one thing to say, Al. I fell asleep during the Edge Reigns match. Nothing to do with the quality of the match. I did think it was a little long, but more because it was four in the morning and I was starting to wane quite badly. 
the pop and the music hitting sent me bolt upright on my sofa and I had to there and then go back and rewatch the last 10 minutes into the pop because I just, I needed to see how it happened. It was a must-see wrestling moment. There's no surprise it's done as many views as it has on social media today. I, I thought it was absolutely huge. Yeah, it, it was. And you're right with Cena. I, I'm the same. I'm very much like The Rock and Austin are almost the two standalone biggest stars ever. And there's a multitude of ways you can quantify that in criteria, be it ratings and draws and buys and all of that, all of that stuff. And it was the hottest time of the business, like I, box office attractions, all of that. And for a long time, I was like, ah, you know, Cena is just the guy that WWE want you to have. And I felt that was kind of the case for a while. He was really hot at the beginning of his career. And then once he became champion and everyone got, kind of got bored of him, there was about five years where it was actually very difficult because he just kind of went over every feud. He was the underdog in every feud. He won every feud. It was just like, uh, you know, it's very hard to appreciate him when the booking is like that. And that's the same as exactly what happened to Roman Reigns, which, of course, makes it all the more poetic they're going to meet at SummerSlam at these stages of their careers. But... You know, there's a few different feuds with Cena that I didn't love the outcome. I thought that Kevin Owens stuff was amazing to begin with, but you always knew that Cena was going to win the war. Same with Bray Wyatt. You know, they might win the first one, but Cena will win the war. Um, same with Rusev. That that formula really bored me over the years. Yeah, you get one win over Cena, but you don't get the last laugh. And um, when it's repetitive, it kind of just detracts from the momentum that it originally gained and... I became a bit tired, but then the stuff he did with Seth Rollins when Rollins was double champ Rollins and all of that great as well. stuff. Well, yeah, I didn't yeah, even mention Rollins, that, but that's another Rollins one which deserves, deserves to be in there. A lot of love. Yeah, and like you said it yourself, he really helped cement AJ Styles as a major player in WWE. Mate, you could argue AJ Styles isn't the big name he is within WWE if it wasn't for that amazing feud that they had. So, I think like as his career went along and the US Open not the tennis tournament, the US Open Challenge. <laughs> or um, golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, from that point onwards, I really started to turn a corner and Cena. And it's not that I never appreciated him, right? It's not that I didn't ever think that he was great or worked hard or had all the attributes you could ever want to be a big star. And of course, he's one of the all-time greats on the microphone as well. It was just one of those things where the booking of him made it really hard for me to totally enjoy him. But again... As you mentioned, from that point, it got a lot stronger. I don't know if I consider him the GOAT, but I'd certainly consider him in and amongst, as you say, that that maybe around the fifth region. I, like I said, Rock Austin for me are probably the top two. This is another discussion, but Cena definitely has warranted a spot in and around that. And I can't wait to see what him and Roman do at SummerSlam because I, I, I've got every belief they'll tear the house down. So in terms of the main event itself, and, and I think there are some interesting parallels, and we'll get on to the women's matches, Money in the Bank, and, um, and the, the title matches as well, although obviously we saw the SmackDown Women's Championship held on Friday after uh, the withdrawal uh, for Bailey from her, uh, her training injury and everything that happened with that. Um, I thought that overall for the show, it was kind of a solid starting show, which finished off with three great matches. And there was a bit of... I feel like maybe it's something to do with the way they're booking Edge himself, but you see every every feud he's had since his return from the return, 
everything has had some kind of big overbooking to it. There's been something getting in his way. And maybe it's a big build, you know, a la Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. And it's all building till he finally gets to lift that title again. And until then, everything is going to get in his way, no matter what he does. And, you know, it was again last night, whether it was the referee, whether it was the Usos getting involved. I, I did think it went a little long. I did think it sagged in the middle prior to, to the later... Uh, shenanigans. It wasn't quite up there with the very best of what Reigns or, to be fair, um, of what Edge has put on since his return and since Roman's turn. But it was a solid four-star main event with a banging finish and, and kind of it did everything it needed to do and ticked all those boxes. Yeah, you said it yourself there. I mean, if we're talking about the matches outside of the two ladder matches in this kind of section, um, this obviously will dictate a lot of it because it was a 33-minute epic, for want of a better term. Um, but really, I, I feel like for all of the ebbs and flows in the middle of the match, it really all boils down to the closing segments where Seth Rollins and Edge is now going to kick into gear, right? Rollins is the one telling Reigns, I kept that title for you. Basically, if it wasn't for me, you would have dropped it there. So that sows the seeds for Rollins and, Re, uh, and Re, Rollins and Reigns down the line, but in the immediate Rollins and Edge, uh, which again is a very exciting first time matchup for me at SummerSlam. You've also got the Usos defeating the Mysterios on the pre-show, Will, which I am all for. I love the Usos, always have done. Heel Usos especially. So the bloodline has all the gold. And here comes Cena. At the end, of course, as I mentioned Rollins earlier, but Cena, these are the high notes everyone is remembering the main event for, I think. Uh, for all of the hard work that Reigns and Edge put on for over half an hour, the lasting memories are going to be setting up Rollins and Edge and Cena and Reigns. And, and that's okay, because you know that achieved its goal. The same way I thought Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston achieved its goal, Will, because we know where Bobby Lashley is heading. We will get there, but we know where he's heading at SummerSlam. Kofi, once again, suffers in a title match, not to the same degree as he did with Brock Lesnar, but it was pretty damn dominating. Um, and Bobby Lashley comes out smelling the roses. Yeah, they needed to make him look incredibly strong. Have we, have we, are we confirmed where he's heading at SummerSlam? You'll see tonight, I think, yeah. So people who are listening to this in podcast form are going to already know. So you might as well just tell us all. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be in the news section anyway on this show, but <laughs> I will do it anyway. Obviously, Fightful Select... I just Select... want to make you talk about it twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fightful Select have reported that it is going to be Goldberg returning on Raw, and he is going to essentially set up a date with Bobby Lashley. Oh, I can um... taste your tears from here, brother. Uh, <laughs> Yummy tears. Yeah. I talked myself into, as we approached the men's money in the bank, that they were going to give us a little bit of a swerve, that they were going to drop on us somebody a little bit of a surprise. I just felt like it was almost too obvious that it was going to end up being Big E based on all the booking that had happened. And actually, I was talking myself into, weirdly, King Nakamura. But they did go with Big E, and it's the right call, Al. Oh, absolutely. This is, Will, the home of the Big E push. The Big E... Talk wrestling push. The big man loves the push. <laughs> he told us himself right here on the show. And thus, we are justified, Will. We have been justified in our push for the big man himself. I'm so happy that 
he's finally getting this spot because I've said all along, we've said all along, he has all of the credentials to be a top guy in WWE. He truly does. Um, he's been waiting for the time to break out. Now feels like the right time. And it was a great match, by the way, to happen in. Kevin Owens is a maniac. We know this. The guy <laughs> tried to break his back on a ladder uh, from a Falcon Arrow. And, you know, uh, John Morrison, I thought, was really great in that match as well. Not only for his spots, but just his drip off with Seth Rollins constantly. Yeah, yeah great. Um, I just thought it was all great. You know, Ricochet, of course, is an absolute... God, he's a phenom. That that sort of match just suits him down to the ground. What he's done with John Morrison on Raw leading up to this to then into the match, I really hope he doesn't fade into the scenery now because I thought he showed out in an incredible way. But for Big E, I, I just feel like he was the one who was really ready. And as far as making a main event player, you could tell by the crowd that he is the guy as well. And I I had kind of convinced myself, like, ah, you know what, maybe the Rumble will be Big E. Maybe it's not yet. Maybe they'll go with Riddle. He's been getting a solid push. It might go into the story with Randy Orton. And I'd kind of convinced myself that maybe it wouldn't be Big E. But then Big E had that little segment with Paul Heyman on SmackDown. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. Like, why would you do that otherwise? Um, And I don't know. Like, just a little thing like that kind of got me back on board. And I was so happy to see that he won. Because there were many good options in that match, Will as I'm sure you was about to say with King Nakamura. Many good options. But I don't think anyone had more to gain and the decision helped and was warranted more than by Big E. I think it's a perfect shout. I also believe that he is the man to break the faces being good with the contract yeah. uh, trend, being not good with the contract. Because honestly... It is so true that a heel with the contracts, it just works. It just makes sense whether they're teasing that they're going to cash it in mid-style, whether it's the way that they do it in a really underhanded way, whether it's aligning themselves with, you know, the authority uh, to, in order to, to make sure that it's a way to elevate themselves to the top. Faces, there's always, you know, they can go down that, you know, the Braun Strowman, I'm just going to use it and book a title match for myself, a proper just old-fashioned one-on-one. You can do it in that way. But realistically, it's always been better in, in the hands of a bad guy. And... Biggie has, you know, he's got more charisma than the man knows what to do with. And yeah. I just think that he can pull off so many different facets. He can go from super serious to having a lot of fun. He can be winding people up. And there is that element. And I know that obviously you know, it's on the SmackDown side. Reigns would be a dream match. But I do think that A, Bobby Lashley is more has a more losable title. And I want to see Big E win a title with this. But I yeah. think there is that element of the Kofi revenge building in from what we've just seen with the New Day. And, and I don't know, with a shakeup probably on the horizon, uh, what, after SummerSlam. I just think that there's a real, real possibility that it ends up going that way with Big E. I think you're right. Outside of Ricochet, who I never bought as a possible winner, probably Kevin Owens, just because of the way he's positioned in the company right now, even though you know I'm as big a KO mark as I can. Super over, by the way. Yeah. Super over. John, John Morrison, similarly over, but kind of fun. So there were a few that I knew weren't going to win it, but there's plenty who I thought could have done, and there's plenty who I thought could have really done something with it. Everyone absolutely worked their backsides off. I love Ricochet bringing that Nick Jackson 2010 PWG energy to proceedings. And, you know, KO, as much as I was saying about him not being necessarily... 
the option to take the briefcase? Has there been a man who's been more consistently great in ladder matches over the last 10, 12 years than Kevin Owens has? I'm not sure you can find somebody for me. He is a master of the art. And I just thought all the spots were good. I didn't think anything felt like they they were spending too long setting it up. It all flowed quite naturally. It didn't feel as kind of choppy as an eight-man match can feel and all that kind of lying on the outside and waiting. And yeah. I, I thought it came together brilliantly. I thought it was the best money in the bank, men's money in the bank ladder match in, in recent memory. Uh, really, really strong stuff and, and the right decision as well in the moment that will make you remember it for a long time to come, I hope. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's the thing, you know, you just said that with Kevin Owens, he's like, the hair to Jeff Hardy's throne <laughs> in WWE or something like being the ladder expert. Um, but again, you could tell by the crowd reactions that he was super over. And, and that's why I was delighted for Big E because it felt like a, an arrival, right? It felt like the moment. And I think you've made the perfect points. You look at Roman Reigns, he should not be touched. This is not a guy you want to take the title off at the moment. He is the linchpin of the company, not just SmackDown. He's obviously on a trajectory at the moment that we assume is going to lead us to The Rock at next WrestleMania, which, again, is the biggest matchup WWE could possibly conjure out of their sleeve at the moment. There is literally nothing bigger. It is this generation's Hogan and Rock. It's as big as it comes. So you don't want to touch Reigns at the moment. You've already, you know, not fed him, but he's gone past Daniel Bryan. Edge, presumably going to get past Cena. Then what happens? Brock Lesnar perhaps it, it awaits him on on the road to WrestleMania, and then you get The Rock. Like that is a career defining line, and it's a big business run at that. Now, as much as we want all the best things in the world for Big E, and here at Talk Wrestling, will we do? I don't know if you want to insert him into that mix and complicate things with his rise against your biggest attraction heading towards the biggest possible match they could have. You're right. Bobby Lashley is the more conceivable champion, the more conceivable challenge. And I feel like with Kofi Kingston, whether this was intended or not, and it'd be great if it was, that gives Big E the incentive to go after him. Now, the other element to this is we're hearing that the draft has been put back to October. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that Big E just moves to Raw and goes after him then. He could cash in beforehand. There might be some repercussions in the coming weeks with the New Day versus Lashley. Who actually knows? Um, But there are several people coming out of this ladder match that you're thinking, what next for them? Riddle, we know what he's doing, right? RK bro, Randy Orton's had some time off. They're going places. Drew McIntyre, I have no idea what he's doing. No idea what Drew is going to next. He can't challenge for the title, so he needs to find a story outside of not responding to Jinder Mahal's texts pretty quick. Um, well, he's, he's, he's fighting Jinder Mahal next. We like we saw last night the Jinder Mahal actually, you know, turning up and doing the business. And it's, I it's know, happen, but, isn't it? I mean, you know, you know what I'm trying to say though. After that, uh, there'll be Seth a program Rollins, there, I'm afraid, and we're probably going to see him fight at, at least Summer three Slam, times. Too probably. Many. Oh my yeah. word! Um, <laughs> I'm not excited for it. Seth Rollins, um, you know, again, is heading to Edge. King Nakamura is just kind of getting his groove on with this gimmick. KO. Who knows what he's doing? He's like the utility man of WWE right now. And you just hope that Ricochet and John Morrison, again, don't fade. So I thought it was a really successful match. But the right winner, done right. WWE have a legitimate chance here 
to make something huge out of Big E's win. And I, I really hope they go all in because I really feel like he could be a valuable player in that top tier. And by the way, Rick Boogs coming up to the main <laughs> roster and being as entertaining as he ever has been anywhere else and winning people over. Absolutely here for it. Completely love it. More of that, please. Let's Did you see him doing Randy Orton's theme with Riddle? So good. So funny. <laughs> I'm so here for it. Some people were like, oh, that's cringy backstage nonsense. No, loved it. Get over it. Kevin, Kevin uh, Owens' face made it even better. It was oh, awesome. completely. Completely. Perfect. Kevin Owens making the face and then walking straight out to his music hitting. Mwah. Just chef's mm. kiss. Perfect way to kick <laughs> off that match. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Quick mention for the tag matches before we do turn ourselves to the women's yep. side of WWE. We had, as you mentioned already, the Usos winning the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They lie. They cheated. They stealed to beat. They <laughs> stealed. They stole to beat the uh, Mysterios to get there. But I think that was always the way it had to go. And, and I'm I sure mean, Mysterios. Is it cheating? Is it? Like he, had, uh, he did Jay, the tights, and there was a bit of additional leverage well, going on. Yeah, and there was I, I, I thought definitely the in the cheating cat category. Yeah, I mean morally, morally incorrect for sure. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't see the tights bit. That's fair enough. I all I saw was Jay giving him extra leverage, which in theory is fine, right? Tag team, come on now. Maybe. Come on. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe just the Uso Mark in me is is just making excuses. <laughs> I like, don't be wrong. It's more like love, ha- love having the titles on the Usos. I don't think that story is a story yet finished, and and I think Ray and and Dominic stay together at tagging, which I'm all for. We saw yes. AJ Styles and Omos against the Viking Raiders, unsurprisingly, Omos continuing to build him as the as the monster, but. I just have to give a shout out to the throwing AJ Styles over the top rope spot. Into, oh, I mean, my word was that slick and smooth. And AJ Styles is just mwah, just more chef's kisses for that man. A lot of chef uh, kisses going on. Oh, I, it's, uh, it's, I'm here for it. I just, I love uh, it so much. I love AJ I Styles. You, side, He's on side my point, Will. Yeah, I, I, I'm ready for another AJ Styles main event run. Like, as as yeah. good as I'm sure this is for Omos, yeah. I am not done with AJ Styles in the top position. I'm not done. I'm just not. The next talk wrestling push. Uh, <laughs> not that he needs a push from us in yeah. any way, shape or form. <laughs> but, you know, they did the business and it was good fun. And, um, you know, the tag team division might still not be as healthy as we'd like it to be. But two decent matches, two right outcomes. Couple of thumbs up. Stop. It's, it's a it's a milestone on the way to RK Bro, presumably, right? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm really enjoying WWE right now. It's bizarre. Um, so we get <laughs> onto the women's side of things. I think we should. What I would suggest, Al, top to bottom, was maybe not in the toppest of top tier of pay per views, but did finish on three absolute bangers. Do we want to start with the women's money in the bank, or do we want to talk Ripley Flair? I think we'll do money in the bank first to be honest um purely Fine. because it might have ramifications okay um but what i do want to say about this field of women we have nikki ash almost a superhero Asuka, naomi alexa bliss Liv morgan Zelina vega and then you had natalia and tamina which kind of seemed like late additions but nevertheless in they were and they, they, when i looked at this field i was like wow you know this could be a great reboot for Naomi, right? Someone who's just been treading along for the past few months, tagging with anybody who'll go nearer, Asuka or Lana, whoever. 
Uh, Alexa Bliss, of course, is a character who, now that fans are back, is going to be less bombastic, is probably the best way to put it. Um, I thought it would have been a great launch pad for Liv Morgan. She was my pick, especially with this kind of overcoming story and uh, all the odds being against her on SmackDown. I thought she did great. Selena Vega is another great choice because, again, she's just returned, is a heel, a very, very good talking heel who would have made it very entertaining, I'm sure, by uh, using the opportunity to use her savvy, her wit, um, as the Money in the Bank cash holder. But Nikki Ash was also an intriguing option to me, where she'd kind of rebooted as this superhero character who is, of course, not actually a superhero, but it just makes her feel better, Will. And thus, her performances have shone. And when I actually think about it, before she did this, and this is a character that she has openly said she pitched, she probably isn't winning this match. So it actually is quite a really refreshing tale of endeavour and heart and whatever that that Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, she's pitched her way into a Money in the Bank contract wheel. And now she could, you know, of course there's Charlotte, who we will get on to later, and Bianca Belair, that she could now challenge for the title. I mean, the match itself was great, and I'm sure we can dig into that, but... I just feel this, what a success that is for someone like Nikki Ash, who could not get on TV for long periods of this year, pitch the character, and now look at her will. And I, I am a huge fan of Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, you know, uh, absolute Scottish wrestling legend, um, yeah. and someone who I think that when you look back on the quality of her work in NXT, and you look at the quality of some of her work when you know, teaming with Alexa Bliss and, and some of the title matches she's had, like she always performs. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. I didn't think it was the right call. I, I did want it to be Liv Morgan, and I'm, I'm really I concerned did. that with the Liv Morgan perspective, we're just going to see her fall off again. You know, her being over and popular doesn't necessarily fit into their plans. And I, I, I definitely take Cross winning over Bliss. I was concerned they were going to do Alexa Bliss and make it into a... It was just going to get a little bit too on the wacky side. And as much as Alexa Bliss is doing a brilliant job of selling that story, like you cannot fault the performer in any way, shape mm. or form. It's not necessarily been the most well-produced run. So look, there are others in there that I could have absolutely imagined winning it. You mentioned a couple. Zelina Vega, I thought was a really good shout. Asuka are always entertaining, um, although I understand why you don't have her winning it. But of the of the non Liv Morgans, I think Nikki Ash, I keep wanting to call her Cross, would be my number one choice. And I think that we'll see her and Alexa Bliss have some kind of program as well. You know, the former best friends, the former tag champions, and maybe you see the the briefcase go on the line. You know, she feels the need to put it on there, and we see some shenanigans. I can imagine them going down a bit of that route before we get her straight into the title picture. I don't think it'll be like a she's challenging by the time we get to SummerSlam kind of thing. Mm. I really do hope that she cashes in and wins it, though. I, I, I the only concern for me is it's an over comedy character. Oh, let's think about what happened with Otis last year. I'm not suggesting Nikki Cross is Otis. Oh. She's a better wrestler. But I am concerned that they will lose faith in the gimmick and then decide, well, actually, we don't want her to win a title then. Well, I think that's a valid concern. I mean, my first thing was imagining Nikki Ash with the briefcase. Like, in <laughs> how does a superhero per se go about using that briefcase? And as we've mentioned before, for babyfaces... 
Alla, I don't know, Cena, Raw 1000 and Braun Strowman and whoever else typically doesn't end well um, with that kind of forthright, hey, I'm a go-getter attitude. And that's kind of what Nikki Ash has got. So probably not a great president, but at the same time, like I hope that she can explore that character a little bit and you know the timing lines up and she holds on to it for a while because I, I really don't think the time is now. Um, but when you look at the match, the women's match, there were so many spots within it, good three or four, where it was all about Liv Morgan. Like, mm-hmm. it was all about her climbing and being the underdog. And I was really starting to believe, like, well, you know, maybe they're on board. Maybe this is what it's all about. And Again, I don't want to see her fall away. I wonder if there's going to be a program between her and Vega. They That was kind of teased on SmackDown last week. And I guess it would make sense coming out of this match as well. But you again, I have to agree with you. When I look at outside of Liv Morgan, I still think that would have been the pick. I still do. I still think she was the right call and the fans are behind her. But in lieu of that, Nikki Ash, to me, is an intriguing proposition. And I do think Nikki Cross, the performer, certainly does deserve something of mm-hmm. this stature. So it's very interesting. But would she go after Charlotte? Would she go after Bianca? That's difficult to kind of wrap your head around at the moment, I think. Charlotte seems the obvious one because she is the almost a superhero. She is the baby face in the most traditional of ways in that she is the good guy, the proper comic book good guy, and therefore Charlotte Flair. And although I say in more of a heel role, she had her moments during that match last night where you really watched it and you thought to yourself, like the way that she was getting emotional and frustrated and the maybe a bit over with the crowd is where they trying to, to start a bit of a turn with her. I, I, I haven't, I have no issue whatsoever with Charlotte Flair being women's champion. She is a brilliant performer. But I yeah, can't proved it again last night. Yeah, and last night that was a sensational match, brilliantly put together by the two of them, genuinely convincing, great selling, just worked all round. I can't help but feel like Rhea Ripley has been done a bit dirty in her championship run, not by losing it this soon. There's no problem with that necessarily. But the fact that she never even got that one dominant win, the fact that it was a DQ previously, the fact that she's continuously stayed under the shadow. And again, like I said with Edge earlier, maybe they're telling a longer-term story where finally she beats Charlotte fair and square, one-on-one, makes a tap, and that's the moment she truly feels like it. Maybe they go on a storyline with her now where she gets full of self-doubt and she's not quite sure she's going to get there. You know, maybe she becomes the hangman page of the women's division. Maybe we see all of that. I'm never that convinced with long-term storytelling with WWE. It felt like maybe a title change for the sake of a title change, even though I don't mind the title change itself. I just, I, Rhea Ripley is special, and she wasn't treated as special during this run. Yeah, and, and that's the problem, right? I've got a few things on this one. First of all, you have to walk it back to when she became champion. She was the third choice title match at WrestleMania. Third, this wasn't something that they even put together until what ten days before the event. All of a you know circumstance with Charlotte Flair and all of the problems that she had going on at the time, be it COVID or you know the pregnancy that wasn't. Uh, and then you've also got Lacey Evans, who actually was pregnant and had to drop out because originally it was going to be her and Charlotte Flair. So you end up with none of who they wanted in the original two matches, just Asuka and Rhea Ripley cold. So they didn't really had a plan for Rhea. That's the main thing here. 
Then you get into this story with Charlotte, which we all thought was going to be this magical thing following their WrestleMania 36 classic. We thought the redemption story was going to be amazing. Hasn't been. It's been more about Charlotte turning Rhea in a way where Rhea has had to kind of embrace the darker elements of wrestling to get ahead. Is that is that the story? I think it is. So with that, Rhea Ripley has never got that decisive victory back. She's never, ever actually proven that, yes, she is at the level of Charlotte. Yes, she can go on and exceed Charlotte. That is yet to be proven. And thus, not that she's suppressed, but at the same time, she hasn't got the moment that we were all clamouring for after the 36 loss. And it's not. I don't know if it's one of those things where, with time, we're going to want it even more. I think people are just a bit like, oh... Which is a shame. From what I heard, I think Rhea is carrying a bit of an injury, which is the main reason this title change took place. I don't know if they take it off Rhea if she hasn't got this niggling problem. I guess in the coming weeks we'll figure out more about that if we see Rhea performing or whatnot. But from what I was told, there was an injury in there. Also, important to factor in, I've heard... That Becky Lynch, when she does return, could be going to SmackDown. Now, again, like, this is just what I've heard. I'm not reporting this per se, but that's an important thing to factor in because I think a lot of people imagine at this point they're going to run it back with Becky and Charlotte at SummerSlam because Charlotte's opponent for SummerSlam will, I'm sure you agree, it's not really obvious right now unless you do Charlotte Rhea 13. So, I, I don't know. It's It's a strange one with Becky. And obviously things can change. I know Sean said the other day, Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter, that WWE are changing plans a lot of the time. As of last week, I heard that Becky was heading to SmackDown. Obviously, that's the A-show. Seth Rollins is there. There's a lot of reasons why you could believe that to be true. But at the same time, then, what? Does that mean Becky slots in straight with Bianca? What happens with Sasha Banks? Who is left for Charlotte Flair? There's a lot of questions, if that is the case. Yeah, uh, you can imagine it happening this week as well. You can imagine them bringing Becky back this week to set up a SummerSlam match and they didn't want to do two big returns in the same night and take away from the Cena pop, which is fair and he deserved it, undoubtedly. Um, but yeah, I, I the lack of depth in the women's division continues to be a problem and when that is the case, I need my champions to be booked like champions and just don't think Rhea Ripley was sadly um love her to pieces yeah. still think she'll go somewhere I still think she'll be huge for this company and she'll be champion many times again but in the meantime we have Charlotte Flair Raw Women's Champion and we move forwards 14 time by the way 14 time Oh, I wonder when she might hit 16. Might it be at WrestleMania? <laughs> Who knows? Um, it kind of books itself, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It does. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365 day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That was our review of WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Any thoughts on it? Let us know on social media at TalkSport2. You can get in touch with Al there at AlexM underscore TalkSport. I'm at Will Gav. And uh, yeah, plenty more to come as we look forward to SummerSlam over the coming weeks. Don't forget, if you are enjoying this Fight Night podcast, Talk Wrestling on the Fight Night feed, you know what I'm trying to say, then go give us a rating and a review. Specify it's Talk Wrestling you are listening to. Let the people know that you enjoy Talk Sport putting a wrestling product out into the world and they'll let us do more of it. Simple as that. It really does help more people find the show, so go give us a rating and a review. Uh, on the show this past Monday night, we did talk Slammiversary, the brilliant main event between Sammy Callahan and Kenny Omega, plus Jay White showing up in the company. What does that mean for New Japan, for Impact, for everything beyond as well? But ahead of this weekend, Al caught up with Impact superstar Sammy Callahan to preview that bout with Kenny Omega. One of the absolute strongholds of the UK is an Impact fan base this week is Slammiversary and at the top of the card Sammy Callahan will challenge Kenny Omega for the Impact World title now Sammy has been on Talk Wrestling before but we welcome back the challenger for a second appearance Sammy how are you my man on I don't think that was a good enough intro you got to put a little more mustard in it put a little bit of the draw the death machine the future two-time Impact Wrestling world champion so I'll give you one more opportunity do it again, or you're going to piss me off, and this interview is going to go way off the rails. Listen, everybody, now, okay? Because the draw is in the house. The death machine himself, who will, I said will, you heard me, become two-time Impact World Champion this weekend. It is the one and only Sammy Callahan. How about that? Yeah, it's me. I like it. Draw, 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 draw. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are, man. Fight Week, the one you've been battling for so damn hard. UK fans can watch it on Fight, of course, this weekend, available Saturday, 17th of July. Now, a lot of people make a massive deal out of fa facing someone like Kenny Omega, man. For you, is it literally just the goal, the gold at the end of the tunnel? It's just another match. Like, I really don't give a damn whom in the ring with everyone wants to be like, Oh, you're going to be in the ring with the best bout machine. Well, he's going to be in the ring with the death machine. And it seems to be my track record is anyone that gets in the ring with me, lack of better terms. I make them famous. They have some of the best matches of their career because I am one of the most versatile and best professional wrestlers walking this planet today. And that ain't me just fluffing my own ego. That's damn fact. It's proven. Absolutely is proven. And on the road to Slammiversary, man, we knew coming out of, the last pay-per-view that between Moose and Kenny, you would have the winner. So let's, you know, I don't want to play devil's advocate here. Did you want Kenny all along just to prove a point, maybe? 100%. Like, look, 
Moose is the most opposing dude on the Impact Wrestling roster. If you've seen his body transformation in the last six months, he looked like a damn Greek god. But at the end of the day, Kenny Omega came to Impact Wrestling, not only disrespected our locker room, disrespected the company I loved. Everyone wants to look at me at the bad guy and things, but I have been fighting for Impact Wrestling since I stepped foot in the Impact Wrestling ring. Why? Because I actually love Impact Wrestling. There might be some people on the roster that tries to use Impact Wrestling, but Impact Wrestling is where I always wanted to be. Everyone else like, I want to go to WWE. I want to go to Japan. I've been there. I've done that. At the end of the day, my goal was to make Impact Wrestling relevant again. And I think over the past three years, I have without a shadow of a doubt, helped make Impact Wrestling one of the top wrestling promotions on the planet once again. Yeah, I don't think you have to think it. It's fact. Impact has come on leaps and bounds in the past few years, man, without a doubt. And it's one of those things, when you look at this bout with yourself and Kenny Omega, now a lot of people look at it like, you know, maybe Kenny hasn't put enough focus on the Impact title on AEW, or he hasn't worn it with pride, or how have you looked at this whole dynamic of working with other companies and having someone who is ostensibly employed by someone else being the world champion of your show all oh, the forbidden door well, i'm about to knock the forbidden door off its damn hinges like things go two ways i'm not gonna say the relationship of impact wrestling aew has been good or bad because at the end of the day i honestly think it's been good because anytime wrestling promotions can work together is a great thing At the end of the day, I keep saying at the end of the day, 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 Kenny Omega has something that belongs to us. It is about damn time. It goes back in the hands of someone to impact wrestling. Yeah. And you you said that about impact, man, and how it's grown over the past few years. Now, what's been really interesting is some of the injections of talent we get as well. And impact have been so good at picking the right guys. Like, you know, Steve Macklin has made a hell of an impact since he's joined. Uh, There's a lot of growth area in impact over the last few years, man. What what have you made of some of the additions? And there seems to be some more coming. Diona Perazzo has a guest opponent at Slammiversary as well. Who knows what Gail Kim has up her sleeve. How, what have you made of Impact's uh, recruitment process, I guess? Well, Impact Wrestling ain't about politics. Impact Wrestling is about coming in, proving yourself, busting your ass, and the cream rises to the top. And I don't think there's a lot of professional wrestling promotions on the planet right now that that's actually the case. A lot of things go on behind the scenes and other places, but at Impact, if you're the best in the ring, you're going to get pushed as the best in the ring. And it's one of those things that impact actually takes the shackles off of people and allows them to have some creative control. It actually allows them to be the person they want to be. And that's why you see guys being successful here that may not have been successful somewhere else because impact has a track record of fighting these diamonds in the rough and truly making stars. People always complain like, Oh, companies aren't making new stars. Companies aren't making new stars. Impact wrestling makes new stars every couple of years. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look at a lot of guys up and down that roster right now. You know, I thought Chris Bay has had a tremendous couple of years as well, and there's many other names. For, look, for yourself. look at a guy like Rohit Raju. He wasn't exactly. on anybody. He's been in the wrestling business, I think, for almost 20 years now. He wasn't on anyone's radar. He came in, took a smaller role, busted his ass, and now he is X Division champion and a guy that is going to be an ultimate X and has been in some of the biggest matches of his career in the last year. Why? Because Cream rises to the top at Impact Wrestling. What you did somewhere else doesn't matter. What you do in an impact wrestling ring is what matters at the end of the day. And that's how wrestling promotion should be. Is that where your loyalty for impact you think is born out of? You know what I mean? You've, like you said, you've been around the world, you've done your thing in, in these other places and you've learned 
mm, how infrastructures can differ, I guess. Has Impact brought out the best in Sammy Callahan the same way? You know, you've helped that get a lot better. Would you say the lay of the land and impact has also helped you grow? 100%. And I don't even think we've touched uh, the tip of my potential at Impact Wrestling. I think we're just getting started. I've been there for three years, been Impact World Champion. I've main evented the biggest shows of the years, which exactly what I'm going to be doing at Slammiversary once again. I think it's been a great match made in heaven. Like Impact Wrestling, like I said, I was always an Impact Wrestling fan. I was always a TNA Wrestling fan. Yeah. While there's people were dreaming about main event WrestleMania, I was dreaming about main event Slammiversary, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, man. And again, to do it alongside Kenny Omega in like a first time ever one-on-one, oh, man, it's just going to be something special. Uh, in terms of facing Kenny, right? You, saw, you said it yourself at the top of the show. You're the best bout machine, all of that stuff. Are you going to drag him into like muddy waters? Is that Sammy Callahan's kind of idea of how to deal with someone like Kenny Omega? Kenny Omega likes to have a feeling out process. He likes to stretch matches on the 45, 55, 60 minute time range. But with me, I'm telling you right from the get go, there ain't going to be no lockup. There ain't going to be no headlock. There's going to be me coming at Kenny Omega. So if he wants to figure out a game plan, he should know from the moment that bell rings, I'm coming for him. And I ain't slowing down. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know what? We were talking about it earlier as well in terms of like impact and, and helping it grow and, and all of that stuff. Like for yourself, I, 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 well, not just for yourself. A lot of people I've, I've spoken to, be it Macklin, Daniel Perrazzo or you know, Josh Alexander, all of them have pretty good things to say about like Scott Damore and all of those people behind the scenes. Like what would you attribute, you know, some of the support network you've had there in really helping you be able to be the Sammy Callahan you want to be? Because I feel like that's one of Impact's strengths. I think the entire regime behind the scenes right now, Scott Demore, Don Callis, before he showed his true colors and did exactly cool. what I said he was going to do since day one. People may hate me, but at the end of the day, I usually have a pretty good feel of the type of person someone is. People like Jenny, uh, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, people like uh, – there's so many people behind the scene of Impact Wrestling that actually wants you to succeed. They actually allow you to put your ideas forth. They actually allow you to be the person you want to be. It's not about, yo, you're going to go out and be a, uh, a bowler today, which has nothing to do with your character. It's what works for you. Okay. We may not agree with it, but you know what? We're going to let you die on your cross. If you want to go out there and try this, we're going to let you go out there and try that. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on as well, because I just thought it was personally cool, was when you and Ken Shamrock kind of became a team, man. Like, to me, I thought that was really cool when you were working together and the way that story all unfolded. I know Eddie Edwards was kind of a part of that too. Um, was that something you really wanted? You know, was you like a long-term Shamrock guy? Uh, you know, because to be rivals is one thing, but I kind of like the union. Yo, 12-year-old Sammy Callahan would have been freaking out. Yeah. 33-year-old Sammy Callahan's a grown-ass man. And anytime you're going to be in the ring of a legend like that, it's going to be a good thing. And I'm one of those people, whatever is placed before me in a wrestling ring, whatever is placed before me of what my future holds, I'm going to go full-blown on it. I don't care what it is. I'll make it work. Mm. Uh, again, we, we talk about you know talent within Impact and stuff. Are there anybody that you would love some of the listeners here on TalkSport to really start paying attention to in Impact Wrestling? Because I feel like guys like yourself and, you know, Josh Alexander, of course, had the Iron Man with TJP recently, which made a lot of headlines. And there are some guys who have already made headline news, but 
Impact has got a deep roster, man, that I feel like people are learning about. I think about we have one of the best rosters now that we've ever had, and I think we're supremely underrated. I think yeah. as much as a full package, Impact Wrestling is about as full as you can get because Impact Wrestling ain't about one style. Impact Wrestling is a buffet of professional wrestling. If you want technical wrestling, we got it. If you want Japanese strong style, we got it. If you want Lucha Libre style, we got it. If you want hardcore, we got it, and we do it better than anyone else. It's a true what's going to happen Who's it going to happen to? Anything could truly happen to Impact Wrestling. If we're talking about guys like Josh Alexander, I think Josh Alexander and TJP are two of the best, if not the best technical wrestlers in the world. And I don't know why they don't get brought up into the conversation more. And then you look at our young guys right now, Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, absolutely murdering it. And we have the best women's division in all professional wrestling. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing as well with Impact, man. Like, um, there's so many different possibilities and different routes to go down that Impact are so good at exploring. Um, for yourself this year, man, uh, I remember at the beginning of the year, kind of revisiting stuff with Eddie Edwards again. Is that just like a favorite of yours to work it, with? Eddie? It will never be done. We are linked by blood for the rest, of our, forever. For the rest of our careers. And you know what? I, I couldn't ask for a better Batman to my Joker. As much as me and Eddie Edwards do not see the same behind the scenes. We do not have the same opinions on things, but there is that mutual respect. People want to call him the heart of impact wrestling and me of the soul. And that is 100% the truth because we wave the impact flags harder than anyone else. And we'll bleed for this company if we have to like there, that's not a theory. That's a fact. Yeah, we've seen it. Yes, absolutely seen it. Um, speaking of you, you know, you say you're a former impact world champion, of course, You've had a couple of shots, man, over the past year or so where I mean, it was, well, Eddie was one, right, I believe, last year and, and Rich Swan and stuff. How hungry are you to be the guy again? Because I feel like um, Sammy Callahan brings a lot to the table without it. But maybe for you, did you feel justified is maybe the wrong word, but you know what I mean? More full when you were the world champion. I don't think as much as being full. I am not a complacent person. Me being world champion is not enough. It's always what's after that? What's after that? What's after that? I want to continue to grow, evolve, and be one of the best professional wrestlers walking this planet today. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to be Impact Wrestling world champion right now and wave this flag harder than anybody else. We've been disrespected in our own company, and I may not be the hero you want, but I'm the hero you people need. Mm. And that's the thing you're saying about the people, they're going to be there as well. Slammiversary is going to have some people in attendance, of course, Impact, hopefully getting back on the road and things in the near future. I, I feel like Impact have coped well, cope you know, without the fans. And there's like a, you know, the pure kind of wrestling style. I thought actually worked very well for the Iron Man. But how excited are you to have fans back? Is that something that makes a big fans difference? Fans are everything. Them? 100% fans are everything. Uh, they're just as big a part of the show as the wrestlers in the ring and the people in the back. They mean everything. But on the contrary, I think Impact Wrestling did COVID wrestling better than anyone else. I think it truly gave people a chance to show how good Impact Wrestling storytelling is and how good it is on an episodic weekly basis. I don't think there's a better show weekly than us. I don't think there is a more reliable and consistent show than Impact Wrestling. I think we show that each and every week. And as far as pay-per-views go, I don't think anyone has better pay-per-views than us. And that's any company. And that's not me just tooting the horn of the company I work for. If you look at our track record for pay-per-view, every single week, every single one we have is a pay-per-view of the year contender. And Slammiversary is our biggest show of the year. And I think this is going to be the pay-per-view that once again makes people go, yo, Damn, Impact Wrestling is here to stay. 
Yeah, it just keeps marching forward, to be fair. And as you mentioned on the weekly basis, Impact Plus is the place, if you're a UK fan, where you want to catch that at the moment. Before I quickly go back on to Slammiversary, Sammy, uh, you've been to England and wrestled before. Have you missed the UK fans? They, they love I Impact so much. And sorry to catch you up. Not only can you watch a show on Impact Plus, but now they have a brand new YouTube subscription service, uh, YouTube ultimate insiders where not only do you get the replays of the Thursday pay-per-view Thursday television, you also get pay-per-view replays and you get a lot of exclusive new shows, including my brand new show. That's about to debut Callahan on censor. But as far as England goes, I absolutely love England. It's one of my favorite places to wrestle in the world. Wolverhampton is by far 100% my favorite town to wrestle in. in Really? Possibly the, yo, fight club pro in Wolverhampton. There is nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's funny, right? Because Impact has had such a special relationship with the UK for so many years now, man. Like, obviously, we can hope that a tour can get sorted down the line. Are you looking forward to getting back out and about now? Have you gone stir crazy, stuck in one spot? Or has I it have been gone nice? stir crazy, but the one uh, saving grace out of the whole COVID era is, look, bef- before COVID, I was one of the most booked professional wrestlers on this planet. I was wrestling three, four shows a week most weeks. And I had a lot of lingering issue, uh, injuries. If you notice at the beginning of COVID, I put on maybe 30 pounds. And if you notice now over the past three, four months, I slowly but surely got back into death machine shape. I'm back yeah. in great shape again. And I think I actually needed that time to recharge and get 100% once again in my career. We're just going to pivot back to Slammiversary. Of course, you are at the top of the card, but there is a lot of exciting stuff going on there. I mentioned it the earlier. stat. There's yeah. not like a there's not a match on the show that you'd be like, oh, that's just a, a popcorn match, or oh, that's just a match that to fill time. Like impact wrestling pay-per-views, everything has a meaning, everything has a story. And Slammiversary is gonna be, I'll say it again, one of the best pay-per-views of the year. Have you got any particular matches? I know we could do this for everyone, but yo, Ultimate no. X, bro. Yeah, Ultimate X yeah. coming back with the guys that are in it. How can you ask for a better Ultimate X match? Man, you know, again, you just mentioned there, Petey Williams, Josh Alexander, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin. Ace Austin's another one we should have mentioned Yo, earlier. He's, he's, I, I don't think people realize how crazy Ace Austin is. Yeah. First of all, he was an Ultimate X when they did one in Jersey WrestleMania weekend a couple years ago during WrestleCon, where he did a front flip off the top of the truss to the outside to the floor. And besides that, I actually saw him on the independence before he got signed to Impact Wrestling do an Ultimate X match with a truss that I'm, I'm not even playing, was twice as high as a normal Ultimate X. And he jumped off it like there was no problem. Like, he is, without a question, and single-handedly underrated of how crazy of a professional wrestler he actually is. And I don't mean this offensively, but if you're calling him crazy, Sammy, I feel like that's a great rub. (laughs) I mean, he's a beautiful young man. He's 23 (laughs) years old, already been multiple time X division champion. He's a guy that in the next five, 10 years, people are going to be looking at as like the next AJ Styles. And I truly believe that. And Trey Miguel, I think him, separating from the rascals and getting yeah. a chance to go out on his own and become his own character, his own person and being able to create and truly dude, the stuff he is doing is innovative. And I think an ultimate X is just going to be enough. Every pay-per-view, it seems like he does something that goes viral from the power slide destroyer yeah. to something else. And I think him and ultimate X at slam reversary, like, yo, I don't even want to know what he's going to try. That power slide story was madness. But um, yeah, I mean, Eddie Edwards and W. Morrissey as well, man. That is, that's very intriguing. Uh, what have you made of Morrissey since he's come into the place? 
Dude, it's great. It's exactly what he could have been elsewhere. A absolute monster, absolute killing machine. I think getting a chance to see him on his own, actually have promo time on his own and actually yeah. be the person that he is. Uh, and dude, Eddie, Eddie can't have a bad match. Eddie is probably the hardest hitting dude in all of impact wrestling. And I don't think he's afraid of a seven foot dude. I think that's going to be an absolute slugfest. Yeah. Perfect matchup in my opinion there. Let's, you know, we have to wrap things up here. Very grateful for your time, Sammy, of course. And, uh, and dude, we didn't even run down the whole show. Like, like I know. we have time. Like there's so many more big matches. There's a four corner tag team titles match. There's a knockouts championship match that, Legit in professional wrestling, anyone could show up at that mystery opponent. We got the knockouts tag titles with Decay now facing Fire and Flavor. Dude, the show is stacked. Yeah, there is so much going on. Even, you know, Chris Saban and Moose didn't even say that. Chris, we didn't even say that. We didn't even say that. That's the thing. The matches we're forgetting even are absolutely mind-boggling match. Chris Saban, probably one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And still just as good now as he was 15 years ago. Yeah, which is frankly insane. And Moose but is also on another true. level right now. Moose exactly. Doing, doing things that people would never expect his size to be able to do. Exactly. Perfect mesh. Perfect mesh. Uh, again, man, uh, just before we wrap up here, obviously everyone, Slammiversary this Saturday, Fight TV is where you need to catch it. Sammy, we know what you're going to do, but tell the TalkSport listeners why they should be tuning in to watch yourself and Kenny Omega for the Impact World championship because i'm gonna bash his damn brains up it's that simple <laughs> nothing special nothing fancy the best bout machine more like the best bitch machine is about to have a date with the death machine and i'm gonna bash his damn brains up. and how if that, that is- hasn't sold you then i don't know what else i need to do on this show but my god we're gonna beat the drum sammy thank you so much for your time man can't wait to see oh, of course the second reign of the death machine as Impact World Champion. Thank you very much, man. The brilliant Sammy Callahan joining us on Talk Wrestling, on the Talk Wrestling podcast, on your Fight Night feed, of course, from Talk Sport. Uh, don't forget, check out more of our wrestling content at talksport.com forward slash wrestling. And just keep an eye out. Just a little eye out. Maybe some video content coming your way in the not too distant future. I mean, there's loads of great videos from the interviews that go up on the website and on Al's social media as well. I'll bang on about it till the cows come home, but don't forget, rating and a review does help more people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Talk Wrestling Podcast on your Fight Night feed from TalkSport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, 
scale quickly, and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.